Please be seated. Our God is good and all the time. Can we clap for Jesus? Can we clap for Jesus? Please clap for Jesus. Those outside, clap for Jesus. Glory be to God. Amen. I just ask you to sit down before I pray because I just want to make um, one or two remarks, if you don't mind. My wife and I are very happy to be invited to share in this great fellowship. We have been hearing by the hearing of the ears, as some people will say, but today we are seeing with our eyes a lot of things to the glory of God. We thank God for preserving our lives, every one of us, to see this day. And we want to thank Venerable Professor Sami K and his wife Ruby and the chapel team and the chapel council uh, for inviting us to this place on this occasion. And um, incidentally, I reminded the Archbishop who actually gave permission, as usual, by our tradition for me to be here. I reminded him yesterday. And um, when I opened my phone this morning, he was the first person to welcome me to this chapel. He said, you are welcome. And God bless you. <laughs> So he knows we are here. When we were entering here, I observed that many people were already inside with quite a number of people outside. And people were rushing. I saw what I used to see many years back in some churches where people would be rushing to get to the service on time. That is the first thing I saw and observed. And then when the program was handed over to me, it was a leaflet or something like that. I was expecting a very thick brochure, as we used to see in some places. That also was a message to me. A great message. Because I've always wondered, why do we spend a lot of money making these big programs? Where all our photographs and everything and all kinds of goodwill, you know. Whether we recover the money or not, I don't know. But I know some people launch it in some churches. But I just want to commend this way we do things here. And no wonder we have to use God's money where it's supposed to be used, really, in missions. I've heard quite a number of things about how this church is involved in so many things, in building the kingdom of God, in evangelism and missions, and building people and helping people and so on, within and without. We want to thank the university community and um, others for allowing those of us outside to be coming inside in, into this place to worship. Of course, that's what the church is all about. The Lord will continue to bless this chapel of his resurrection, continue to bless the university community, and continue to bless all who support his work in this place. In the name of Jesus Christ. Some people were saying amen. And I said, I thought that when I say in the name of Jesus Christ, many more will say that amen. 
I say in the name of Jesus Christ. Honestly, we thank God for what is happening here. And um, I was asking myself at a point, did I really come here to preach? Or was I invited here to receive blessings upon blessings? Because by the time I was listening to the choir and the band, and the kind of worship song, not jaga, 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 you know, that some of us see in some places. I'm telling you, you know, I, I don't know. I said, I think I was brought here to be blessed, and I've been blessed. <laughs> it's amazing. In the first place, the blessing started with my seeing some of my old friends I've never seen for maybe two years, three years. You can imagine. Some I saw maybe in the last six months. I you know what fellowship means. When you begin to reconnect with people. I'm not saying that some of them forgot me. Maybe they remember me, but they're not able to reach out to me, even on the phone. And I'm not able to reach out to them myself. So I'm at fault. But when you come together like this, it makes a lot of difference. Praise the Lord. It is part of the blessing in this kind of celebration, in this kind of annual harvest. And I give God glory for that. So I want to appreciate the choir and the band. The Lord will continue to bless you in Jesus' name. I will not begin to say many things actually of what I observed here. But let me tell you that one of the things about church growth is when you see the staff team, the, the team, the team, the workers exercising what we call team spirit. And again, it was demonstrated today by the way you see how things were shared and this person does this and that person does that and that person does that. And some of us have been in a place where it is just one person doing virtually everything. I have seen it before and I have seen it again and again. So I want to commend my fellow ministers here and the leader of the team. May the Lord continue to help you to love one another and to work as a team so that the blessing will flow in to us as the congregation and flow in to the society in the name of Jesus Christ. It's now that I begin to see why some of my friends, when I contact them, they will tell me, oh no, I'm no more worshipping in that place. I'm now at the chapel of the resurrection. Honestly, a number of them. And so by the time I stayed here for a few minutes, I said, okay, if I were to be in Enugu, maybe I've also, I would have also relocated. Yeah. Hallelujah. In the prayers and in many things we have done here, the message has been given. But we still have to share something from the word of God. And I hope that that will also be part of the blessing that we are receiving as we come to the Lord in a very special way to give him thanks. To give him thanks. So, I want to pray, and I will read a portion of the scripture, and then we share some thoughts together. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for everything. Let the Holy Spirit, who knows every one of us, speak to us one by one. Not just as a group. The group aspect is there. 
may speak to us also one by one whether we are inside or outside as you speak to us touch us one by one that we may know that there is God in heaven who is concerned in the affairs of man walk through us in this service again and meet us at the points of our needs take all the glory in Jesus mighty name we pray Amen. Please let's go to that Second Corinthians chapter nine. We will not read it again because it was beautifully read. But if you have your open Bibles, I will advise you to keep your Bibles open or your tablets, or whatever you are allowed to bring to the church, as long as it's Bible that you are reading. In that Second Corinthians chapter 9, that was read, I'm going to speak on what I call the grace of God for thanksgiving. We have come here for an annual harvest thanksgiving. And I'm speaking on the grace of God for thanksgiving. Our key texts will be that chapter 9, verse 14, and chapter 8, verse 1. You know that we have a twin chapter here, that actually the message, especially on Christian giving, that Paul was addressing to the Corinthians started in earnest in chapter 8. So we look at those two texts. Second Corinthians 9 verse 14 reads, While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. The surpassing grace of God in you. I'm reading from the Revised Standard Version anyway. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, it says, We want you to know, brethren, about the grace of God which has been shown in the churches of Macedonia. The same grace of God. I'm talking about the grace of God for thanksgiving. And this grace of God for thanksgiving is actually rooted in that greatest gift that God has given to us. You find it in that Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15. That is the last verse. The Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Inexpressible gift. That is the Revised Standard Version. The New International Version says, indescribable gift. And the King James Version says, the unspeakable gift. He's still talking about Jesus Christ that God gave to mankind for the redemption of the world, the greatest gift. So if we are not able to say, thanks be to God for this gift of Jesus Christ, then we are not able to give any other thanks. That is where the thanksgiving begins. That is why I said, the grace of God for thanksgiving is rooted in this greatest of all gifts that God has given to us. That is where the real thanksgiving begins. It reminds us of John chapter 3 verse 16. That tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him 
will not perish but have everlasting life. This is God's love for us. If someone has not received this God's love, what is that person thanking God for? The greatest gifts. There is a passage which is not too long, which I want to read here, about this grace of God and what we are really talking about. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. I give you an assignment because I know that you do all kinds of projects and assignments and research. Titus chapter 2, because we're not going to do exposition on that, from verse 11 to 14. For the grace of God has been, has appeared for the salvation of all people, training us or teaching us to renounce irreligion, that is godlessness, and worldly passions, and to live sober, upright, and godly lives in this world, awaiting our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all iniquity and to purify for himself our people of his own, who are zealous for good works, who are enthusiastic for good deeds. That grace of God has appeared. And that is Jesus Christ. If you go quickly back to Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. And you know how poor he was. He had no place to lay his head. He was going from place to place. So that by his poverty, you might become rich. Hallelujah. When you receive Jesus, you receive the grace of God. And there is something in Mark chapter 10, I'll be reading quite a lot from the scriptures because um, I don't have a lot of stories to tell, though there are many of them in our generation, but it's better we read more from the scriptures. Mark 10, 28 to 30. You will see what is there. Peter began to say to him, Lo, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake. And for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold? Can somebody say a hundredfold? Who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time? Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. What a wonderful response. What am I saying? I'm saying that when you receive Jesus, which many years ago, some people thought it was foolishness. But thank God that today, all categories of people in the society have come to know the truth. And many of them are here. Maybe over 95% of people who are here today, if not 99%. But not everybody in the society 
knows this truth. That receiving Jesus is not foolishness. It's not losing everything. But as he said, that when you see the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, then all other things will be added unto you. So it's when you receive the main thing that you begin to talk, thank God for the other things which we call jara. The other blessings, your positions, your privileges, your acquisitions, and so on and so forth. But if you have not received the main thing, all those things are useless. Pardon me for saying that. But that is the fact. So, Peter's question is important to us. Following Jesus, being a disciple, knowing that one time you can say no to sin. You can say, yes, I am a human being. I am limited. I am a sinner. I am not perfect. I may not be doing all kinds of criminal things or the so-called um, abominations. But we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. Right from when the first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned. That is the truth about it. We are all born in sin. We grew up in sin. No person taught us how to tell lies, how to cheat, and so on. Envy, jealousy, bitterness, malice, and what have you. And you cannot carry those things to heaven? No, it is not possible. So, a time must come. And for many of you, you know what I'm talking about. Because the grace of God found you. But there are some who are just following, who are just joining, who are just enjoying the music, who are just enjoying the fellowship, who are just going from place to place where things are happening without the real encounter with the Savior of the world. Today may be that day so that your thanksgiving will be a real one and will be accepted. Amen. The harvest thanksgiving of course, you know, it's not only for farmers, because it's called harvest, annual harvest. You know, it came out from the agricultural background of the people. But now, I'm sure that maybe if we have 10% of farmers here now, then we are doing very well. We are doing very well. Maybe because the oil boom is no more booming. And some people are remembering that it's good to farm, even around our houses. So, the annual harvest thanksgiving is for people from all professions and trades. That is saying the obvious. But I just wanted to underline that. So that, when we then talk of the grace of God... For thanksgiving. We are going to underline maybe three things. Just about three things. The first is gratitude, which I think was mentioned somewhere when we are praying. Gratitude. For those who have received him, we cannot thank God enough. For all that he has done for us, we cannot thank God enough. That passage, again, was read for us in Second Chronicles. Uh, First Chronicles, I think, chapter 9, chapter 29. You remember what is there? I want to remind us what is there. Just verse 14. But who am I 
And what is my people? That we should be able thus to offer willingly. For all things come from you and of your own are we giving you. That kind of thing I think comes up in our liturgy, the Holy Communion liturgy. That is the right understanding. And uh, maybe I'll come back to it in a moment. Gratitude flows out of the fact that what we are, what we have, what we hope to be, we owe everything to God. Everything we are, everything we have, all have been received from God. Even when we did not know Him as sinners, because of His mercy and love, God continues today to bless everybody. Some people realize at a point that this is God's blessing. Some don't. They think it's their connections, their education, their cleverness, and so on. But many come to realize that it is from God. Paul was writing to the Romans. In Romans chapter 8 verse 32, he put it like this. Romans 8 verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also give us all things with him? So he did not give us only Jesus Christ. He knows we need other things. Shelter, clothing, and so on. That's why at a point in his message he said, why worry? He said it several times. Why are you anxious about this and that? Why are you killing yourself? Don't you know that your heavenly father knows all your needs? He cares for the birds of the air. And so he cares for you. So, he has given us Jesus. And with Jesus, he gives us everything that we need. For meaningful living here on earth and we should be grateful to him so there is daily thanksgiving there is occasional thanksgiving like this one very special thanksgiving and I hear that the English people say that ingratitude is the worst of vices you can think about that and why should they say that? But truly, you will find it in ordinary life. That many people don't know how to be grateful. To express thanks when they are receiving things from people. This kind of gratitude... And special thanksgiving needs preparation. Needs preparation. That is why in that Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 to 5, the word ready and readiness appears at least four times. In that passage we read, in the five, first five verses, Paul was saying that he was trying to get them ready Preparation is very important. And I know that this thing happening today, the preparation started several months ago. Because I know even when they sent me an email, how many months ago? No person will say, I'm taking on a words. And if it is really prepared, then we are going to show that we are prepared. It is, it is not right for people to come to an occasion like this as if it is just the normal Sunday service where we do the normal thing. It's not right. If Paul took time to prepare people, and this was in the context 
of raising funds mainly for the brethren in Jerusalem. Because Paul was not a fundraiser. He was a missionary extraordinary. He was a preacher of the gospel. He said, woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. But necessity made him to do this. And of course, you can't preach the gospel without the money anyway. Money is necessary. And so, if Paul was talking about money, we should not shy away from preparing people to get ready to show their gratitude to God so that the work of God will continue to spread without all kinds of bottlenecks and hindrances as far as money is concerned. Can somebody say amen to that? So, gratitude. And if there is preparation and people get ready for something, you will see that that is why the word compulsion, compulsion or exaction will not appear at all. No complaining, no compulsion. It's not, you are not being compelled to do anything. You have gotten ready for it. Preparation in prayer, preparation by explanation of what these things are all about. Your mind is made up. You are committed to it. Because you know the purpose. Hallelujah. And I am always, for many, many years, you know, challenged by what I see in that Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. Verse 2. You see, people, Paul was giving them an example of these people. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of liberality. They were generous. He wasn't thinking that these people should take part in what is happening because they were a very, very poor congregation. But what I want you to see is that on this one hand, they were going through affliction, persecution, terrible one. On the other hand, they were very, very poor. The Bible uses the word extreme poverty. Abject poverty, if you like. In between this abject poverty and this affliction and persecution, something was bubbling. Something was bubbling. Bubbling in their midst. What is that in? Huh? Some people are awake. Joy, J-O-Y. How can people going through persecution, they were not complaining. People that needed help, very poor, they were not complaining. But we see joy bubbling, bubbling, bubbling. <laughs> this is great. This is great. It is great. Like in the days, those days of revival, you see Christians that were rejected by the church, rejected by the society, and so on and so forth, singing, bubbling, is bubbling, is bubbling in my heart, is music and laughter for Jesus to control. Have you heard that song before? Let me stop it there. Because there are a lot of things that people we are rejoicing for Jesus to take control. When you know the Lord Jesus Christ, let me tell you, my dear friend, you have gotten everything. Jesus, the all sufficient one. There are needs, we cannot deny them. But if you have what is called 
the divine viewpoint on things instead of um, the human viewpoint. There's the human viewpoint in everything and the divine viewpoint. You will see that when you have Jesus, whether you are married or not married, whether you have children or you have no children, whether you are this or that, you know, it's good to have some of the blessings, yes. But when you have Jesus, you have everything. You may not agree with what I'm saying. Jesus satisfies. That's another song we used to sing in those days. He's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. And people thought that we are fools. I said, no, 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 it's not enough. We must get the whole world. No. So that abundance of joy was there despite the situations. So we are now in a country. We've come to the annual harvest. Where we have to express our gratitude to God. But look at some people for several months have not been paid now. How do we manage that? Look at Naira falling, devaluation of Naira. Look at inflation. How do we manage these things? Don't we have good reasons to complain? The downturn in economy and so on. We may have good reasons to complain. But do you know what about gratitude? When we see the vision that God is placing before us, that joy that does not depend on these things. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord will prepare you to do amazing things. Now, let me link this very quickly. Number two, to what I call the love for God. The love for God. Not only gratitude. The grace of God for thanksgiving is seen in gratitude when we begin to appreciate what God has done for us. It is also seen in our love for God. John 14, verse 14. Very quickly, John 14, verse, verse 15. Let me see which one it is there. John 14, verse 15. Verse 15 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If in gratitude we are emphasizing thanksgiving, in this love for God, we are emphasizing obedience. Obedience. If you love me, Give my commandments. Well, there are many commandments, the Ten Commandments and so on. But I want us to look at what we call the Great Commission. Because we have no option about that one. Go and preach the gospel. And that is one of the things we have been told this church has been doing over the years. So, when you give in a place like this, you are given right in the place where God is pleased, where God is honored. The love for God goes with communion with God and commitment to God. Communion. If you love God, you will like to always be with this God. I will not have time to be talking about that because you are in a place where so many things are taught. How we spend time is all part of showing that everything we are and everything we hope to be comes from God. You know, your quiet time, your family prayers, and so on and so forth. Your commitment to weekly programs and other activities of the church and other departments in the church. How are you involved? The love for God goes with communion with God and commitment to God. There is a great zeal for the things of God. When you love God, 
No person is pushing you to do anything. You are there. And you are there on time. You want to take up responsibilities. You are not an absentee somebody. In anything that you have been uh, committed, that has been committed into your hands. You are not an absentee person. You are there. Because you know the person you are serving. I think the other version used the word enthusiasm. The zeal for God. Is there in that place where we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. They were zealous for the Lord. Zealous for the Lord. Now, I begin to wonder about that woman that Jesus saw. She was a widow. And others were given. But we are told that this woman gave all that she had. I begin to wonder why. What was happening in her mind? What, what was happening to this widow? That she gave all that she had. Gratitude, love for God, faith in God. It could be anything. I was wondering again about another woman. And incidentally, it seems that women are coming first in this. Just like Mary Magdalene came first at the resurrection. Praise God. That woman in Mark chapter 14, verses 3 to 9. We are told that she came with an alabaster box of oil. Because I have no time to read that. And then she poured everything. To anoint the Lord Jesus Christ. And some people started to murmur. You know, people with common sense. We always criticize. And uh, because what she gave, we are told, was more than 300 denarii. Which was about somebody's one year salary. That's the best way to understand it. One year salary of somebody was given. And the people that we are criticizing, incidentally, we are close friends of Jesus among the disciples. And this should have been sold and you know, given to the poor. But she did it because of the love of the master. And Jesus commended her. There are other things that I will not be able to say. But let me pause here for a few minutes and say that what we are doing here as thanksgiving is not what some people are now calling sacrifice. Are you with me? Listen attentively. You know some people are measuring on Old Testament now and telling you that Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 was ready to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And that because of that, God blessed him and said all those things he said in Genesis chapter 22. And so when you come to a gathering like this or other gatherings, they begin to tell you the price of a cow, the price of a, 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 a ram, the price of a, a turkey. I don't know whether they have had something like that before. Thank God if you don't hear, because if you are here, you will not hear it. Hear it. Now listen to me, because it's coming to many places now. Whether you believe it or not, that's your own business. But what I want to tell you today, as somebody who has seen a little bit in Christianity, is that Abraham in chapter, in Genesis chapter 12, received all those blessings that we are talking about in chapter 22. Go and read Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 15, where he actually made the first covenant with God, Abraham received those blessings from God, stated. In Genesis chapter 17, where he made another covenant, which was sealed by circumcision, Abraham received those blessings. And even in Genesis chapter 22, it was not because of his attempt to uh, sacrifice Isaac, that God made those statements. First of all, God said in Genesis chapter 22 verse 12, Now I know that you fear God, that you should reverence God, 
you can worship God. You see. And then he provided a ram for the sacrifice. A lamb for the sacrifice. Because Abraham had spoken by faith before. When he was speaking to his son. That God will provide you know, for sacrifice. It's there that he was called Jehovah Jireh. The God that provides. And after the sacrifice, God then came and said again, Because you have done this, what did he do? He was obedient to what God said to him. Abraham, take your only son, whom you love, and offer. That word offer means to give. It's not sacrifice. Although I don't want to make too much about that one now. But offer your son, the only son you have. The Old Testament is always trying to point to the new. Because the new is in the Old Testament hidden. But the Old Testament is in the New Testament revealed. It's all pointing to the sacrifice was to be made on Calvary. Incidentally, that Mount Moriah happened to be the same as Calvary. Can somebody praise God? It has nothing to do with sacrifice. Because you have done this. Obedience. Today in this service, I want to tell you that already the Spirit of God is speaking to you on how to respond to the work of God. Going on in our country at this critical time with the challenge of all kinds of religions, challenge of idolatry, Again, enveloping evil land, the challenge of atheism, and you know, um, all kinds of uh, uh, godlessness, permissiveness. How are you going to respond today? The Spirit of God is speaking to you on what to do. Will you obey? Abraham obeyed. Every one of us. We go through that test of obedience. Now take the example of Solomon. Solomon was not sacrificed. In First Kings chapter 3, especially verses 4 and 11, the Bible tells us, because there was no temple at that time, they were still moving from place to place trying to sacrifice. It was at Gibeon. The Bible says that Solomon used to sacrifice 1,000. He used to. It's not the first time he was doing it. It's what they used to do from time to time. But incidentally, that day at Gibeon, God revealed himself to him. Which God does. I can do again in this service. And Abraham was given the opportunity to ask for what he wanted. Not because of sacrifice. And then he asked for wisdom. And God said, because you asked for this, not because of sacrifice. Read your Bible very well. He was not referring to how many uh, uh, things you sacrificed. But you were able to just ask for wisdom. Just as some people today will say, Lord Jesus, I want to give myself to you. Just take me. And once you pray that prayer, you will see miracle after miracle in your life. Once you give your life to Christ, if you have not done it for the first time, you will be seeing miracle after miracle in your life. You can say amen, you may not say amen, it doesn't matter. So, I'm trying to clarify these things because many people have been confused about it. But the summary of it is that when they brought in what they call altar versus altar, it's all about sacrifice. And I don't blame people because, you know, in the African mythology, anthropology, sociology, whatever, I don't want to use all those words now, but, you know, we are, we are what we are. But we must be biblical. We must follow biblical theology. God is spirit, yes. 
Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Chineke bo mo. But this song, okay mo, okay mo. Um, onyaina chora jabo ke mo. That's become popular, isn't it? And so when you go to some places, you see what they call altar versus altar. They come and they throw money. They throw money at the altar in some places. I don't know whether some of you have seen that thing. Okay, mo kapana megini kapana chulaja. If you say okay, mo okay, mo kaine bere mo kaine efe, I will not quarrel with that. But anything about aja, you know, the word sacrifice actually has various meanings. You know, for example, we talk of sacrifice of praise and sacrifice of time and all those things. Anyway, it depends on the context in which you are using it. But any in any way you use sacrifice, in the sense of the Old Testament sacrifice being repeated now, it becomes false teaching. Because Jesus Christ has made the full and final sacrifice. And there's no other sacrifice that can be made. And when we are talking about altar, you see that in there. Is the Lord's table. There's no sacrifice going on on that table. In some denominations, they believe in what they call transubstantiation. There's another kind of sacrifice going on there. So when we talk of family altar, it's not a place of sacrifice, it's a place of prayer and communion with God. So let us know how we use the word altar so that we don't confuse ourselves. In other words, you cannot negotiate with God. Don't say you are given for, for a cow so that God will do something for you. No matter what testimonies that are being uh, given, I don't doubt those testimonies. But to say that because of your sacrifice somewhere, that God is doing it for you, I refuse to agree. Because myself, even my, in my Christian journey, I know many things I did not ask God for. I never dreamt of, of that for one day. And God was doing them for me. Can somebody join me to shout hallelujah? hallelujah. I didn't ask. Talk, talk less of making any sacrifice. That is the truth. You can't buy anything from God. You can't negotiate with God. Everything is by grace. And I have to speak it loud enough. Now that I have opportunity to do so. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ has done it all. Finally, number three. I said, the grace of God for thanksgiving begins with gratitude to God. Please, let's know that everything belongs to Him. We can never give too much. Then, it is showing our love for God because He first loved us. Number three, it is seen in our sowing bountifully. If I may borrow, borrow that biblical language, sowing bountifully. But you see, in the context of that passage, which you will have time to read again and again, you will find that it's not actually teaching about sowing and reaping, in the sense that people are just taking it up and down. We are doing mathematics with God. You know, and uh, in many cases, it is, it is reaping financially. That's what people think, reaping financially. If you read that passage and again and again, you will say, see that sowing bountifully there just simply means being generous. Being generous. And the word generosity actually appears about two times in that passage. As you read down there. It's just. That is. That is. That is what is being said there. You know. You may want glue. As some people say. Aka glue. But you are wasapwaka. Amen. That is the emphasis there. 
And again, I will surprise you. Because I like, even after service, come and pull my, my dress and ask me questions. I like that type of thing. The increase that we see here and the multiplication that we see in this passage, because I cannot finish without touching those places. They are real. They are God's promises for the giver. There will be increase. There will be multiplication. You are not saying amen. <laughs> I'm not making a prophecy. Because uh, it's not that kind of prophetic. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. So these are promises of God which you appropriate. So no human being will stand over you and begin to say it as if I'm the person offering it to you. No. I'm not offering anything to you. These are things God has promised in his word. Which we have to discover the principles. You know, of how to appropriate these things. Make them our own. You know that... I am talking about verse 10. Verse 10. Can I read it or do you want us to read it together? Let me read it so that there will be no confusion. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your resources. That resources means benevolence. That is the things you give out of love. He will multiply your resources and increase the harvest of your righteousness. That is what you give. <clears throat> so there is increase, there is multiplication. But the emphasis is not there. The point there is that generosity pays. There is a reward for generosity. In other words, the promise of increase and multiplication are promises that go with purpose. Promise and purpose. Look at verse 8 there. So that you see why the increase and why the multiplication. Yes, you will be a millionaire, billionaire and all those things. But for a purpose... 9 verse 8. And I think it's quoted in our bulletin, that, that paper we have. I think it's quoted there. Look at verse 8. And God is able to provide you with every blessing. In abundance, so in abundance, God will produce, do that. So that you may always have enough of everything. And then when you have enough of everything, what do you do? And, are you with me there? Verse 8. You may provide in abundance for every good work. So, the abundance is provided for you, so that you yourself will provide in abundance for every good work. That is the purpose, my dear friends. Not to behave like the rich fool, who went to expand his urban. No. Even when you expand your barn, put God first. So, we have mentioned about so many things that the church does here, and I don't want to begin to itemize them again. Look at 9, chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, to see the other reason. Verses 11 and 12. You will be enriched. I like that. Do you believe that? God is saying that in this annual harvest, you will be enriched. In every way for that matter. Not only financially. You will be enriched spiritually. You will be enriched in every way. For great generosity. Why are you being enriched? For what? Which through us we produce thanksgiving unto God. That's your generosity. Is it for people to praise you? <laughs> Hallelujah. You see why God is doing all these things? Producing thanksgiving unto God. 
And then verse 12 says, For the rendering of this service not only supplies the wants of the saints, but also overflows in many times given to God. This thanks given to God appears twice. And then but includes ministering to the saints. That what we give is also reaching to some people. You know, empowerment, empowerment programs that are being carried out. You know, all these um, acquiring skills so that people can be self-employed and all the other things. You know, this is part of what the church is doing in many places. And giving people soft loans to be able to, you know, do certain things. So, they may not know your name. They may not know, but when people are blessed and they are happy, you know, they are praying. They don't know you, but God knows you. The prayers that their joy is bringing also blessings to you. They don't need to know your name. One of the hymn writers said that prayer is sincere. Um, is sincere utterance uttered or unexpressed. Sincere desire uttered or unexpressed. That is, this, in the silence of someone's heart, there is a wish made towards God. And God is hearing those prayers. And God will hear the prayers for us in the name of Jesus. Look at the final thing there about the benefits of this increase and multiplication. Verse 14. Verse 14, which we have read. Why they bring for you, why they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God. That's the prayer aspect. So what you do supplies the needs of the saints, produces thanksgiving to God, and um, you know, helps you to continue to give in abundance into God's work. And makes people to long for you, to love you, whether they see you or not. So, as we begin to pray now, I want to remind you that you will not forget what is in Second Corinthians 8 verse 5. Where they first gave themselves. These people that we said they had extreme poverty, they were severely persecuted, but joy was bubbling. Why? The Bible says in verse 5 of that chapter, they first gave themselves to the Lord. So, as we come for thanksgiving, I'll give that opportunity for you to first give yourself to the Lord. And if you have given yourself to the Lord, you ready rededicate yourself to the Lord for the new season we are entering. And then, Secondly, will you give bountifully today? The test of obedience, remember. The test for the love of God. The test of your commitment will be seen in this and not thanksgiving. Let us pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. Pray. Lord, help me. And what I'm given this day. Help me. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You are the Lord that changed not. Begin to pray for that gift you have brought here that God will receive as he received that of Abel. That you will do well as Abel did well. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word can never return unto your voice. May it be that a few things said here today will strengthen us in our race. We strengthen us in our good fights. We strengthen us, O oh God, as we continue to be good stewards of what you have given to us. Thank you, Father, because you move in mysterious ways you want us to perform. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.